Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name's Emma Mann. Joining me today, Yasmin. How are we doing? How are we doing? How are things? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad we're talking after wins. So <laughs> Yeah, right? Vibes are so awesome with the Raptors when they're when they're winning games. And this team is so unpredictable. Like we're down on them because they lose to the Magic and Pistons. But then, hey, they pull off back-to-back dubs against the Suns and Nuggets. I mean, I guess just start there. What were your thoughts on the past few games? There's been a lot of things to, to kind of touch on, but uh, just a few thoughts that really st- stood out to you. Um, I'd say, I guess, following the three-game skid against the um, – uh, Pistons, um, who else with Cleveland, yeah. uh, in the absence of, uh, Fred Van Vliet just goes to show how important he is and how the Raptors really, um, uh, they're really, uh, tight when it comes to their guard rotation. So, um, the other guys weren't able to make up for the, um, the spacing and the off ball attention that Fred garners and it just made the offense so much harder to produce. So yeah, it just stressed how important he is to the team and how he's just a vital piece. I think more so than any other player on the team. If you take, I feel like anyone else out, they'll be able to kind of make up for that lack. Like even in Siakam's absence, they managed to win and OG's absence, they were managing to win. Um, but in the absence of Fred, it just makes it so difficult. Um, and then, of course, uh, once he's back, I guess it was against the Suns, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, they managed to win <laughs> a, what, win a really great game, too. Um, I feel like they were leading most of the night against uh, Phoenix. Um, and then, yeah, following it up with the win against Denver, which is a team that no matter how shorthanded they are, as long as they have Jokic, they're probably going to beat the Raptors. <laughs> but they managed to um, change the narrative. In uh, a really, really good win, when people are saying it's one of the best wins of the season. So, um, yeah, that was that was also a great turnout. And um, in addition to Fred, Fred's importance being stressed, I think that um, the role that Precious Achua is on um, since All Star break, I wrote about yes, it. Um, or yeah, he should be up now. Um, but um, yeah, Precious is um, ascending. He's been playing so phenomenally and. Um, he gives the Raptors just that little extra spacing nowadays with his um, shooting, uh, which is kind of off the charts. I think he's like at 50% since um, all-star break from three on three boy, attempts boy. per game. So that's a pretty significant amount of threes for a guy who's like on the last part of the um, of the um, permanent you know rotation that they often play. Like um, Precious has just been making good use of every minute that he's given. Um, and we know he brings it on defense, but for him to just, I'd always say if, if Precious just had one go-to offensive move or something that he could do, he'd be a really valuable piece for the Raptors, but he's been kind of like a Swiss army knife. He's been improving on so many aspects of his game. Um, and it's, it's really coming together. So, um, I'm excited to see how it matches up, um, in the upcoming matchups against the Lakers. I feel like that's a good, um, gauge for, 
you know, um, his versatility. They get, they have the length to throw at him. So I, yeah. I'm interested to see how that turns out. But yeah, that's been the biggest takeaways, Precious and Fred Van Vliet for me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of good things have happened over the past few days, just starting with uh, the matchup tonight against Lakers. So this is the first of two matchups against the Lakers this week. Wow, there's like screeching going on behind me. Sorry, people. <laughs> That's going to be heard on the podcast. My bad. Can't do much about it. <laughs> um, I guess the Lakers are in a way of screeching to a halt on their season because things aren't going very well for them. Um, they're hoping that Anthony Davis comes back at some point and he, you know, finds his magic from, I guess, the bubble, I suppose. But he hasn't been the same for a long, long time. But um, I looked it up and I was, I was curious about this. And over his last three games against Toronto, LeBron is 0-3. He's averaging 17 points per game on 44% shooting. So not great. Obviously, OG Ananobi is a big factor in that. And he's not going to be playing tonight. But I mean, think of like Scotty and Pascal and Precious, the different bodies that they can kind of throw at him. And they're all kind of similar in a way, right? It's like that 6'8", yeah. 6'9", very mobile um and historically you know lebron has struggled a little bit with that granted he's you know he's still lebron and i saw that he became the first player in nba history to garner 30,000 points 10,000 rebounds and 10,000 assists that's incredible what's even more incredible that he's also the first player to score 10,000 points 10,000 rebounds and 10,000 assists so he is like He's out of this world. Um, I hope he plays for many more, many more years. And I hope that the Lakers actually don't even make the plan because we can get more years of LeBron, right? At some point, we got to like stop being, you know, LeBron, Raptor killer, yada, yada, yada. Just appreciate the greatness, man. He's, yeah. he's sensational. I'm not quite there yet, but I agree. No, you're not? <laughs> yeah. No? Hey, the wounds are still fresh. He's ruined a lot of teams' hopes and dreams over the years. It's not just the Raptors, although people like to point out just the Raptor ones, but like, I mean, the the, the Atlanta Hawks with like Al Horford and Paul Millsap. You yeah. Know, early time Celtics with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, the list goes on. He's killed yeah. all their dreams, right? So it is what it is. This is what happens when you face a player that is, you know, one of the top one, top two, top three, not getting into that conversation, players of all time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just on the Raptors, I, I mean, it was kind of cool just seeing uh, the variety of defenses that they were able to show uh, Nikola Jokic, right? He killed them the previous time they faced off. He had 35 points. But with this matchup, I mean, Nick really got experiment experimental and he showed him all kinds of different looks. And I think that does kind of show the, the growth in the defense overall and some of the players like a Delano, for instance, because I think earlier on the season, like Nick just couldn't do that because he wasn't confident that they'd get it. You know, that they'd execute it properly, but you know, to their credit, uh, Preston Achua, uh, Ken Burch, just a similar degree, degree because he's struggled, you know, throughout this season. He said after the game that he probably won't be right all season, he may need like knee surgery of some sort. Kind of sucks for him. And also, he talked about you know, getting some flack online from people. People suck sometimes, man. I don't get it. Like, at some point, we got to be able to hold people accountable for their yeah. behavior on social. I don't know how we're going to do it, but these are people, you know, just. Yeah, they should do what do what Boucher did and just start a podcast going right at them. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Listen to Hustle Play, by the way. Um, yeah, right. But uh, anyways, being able to throw these this different kind of lineups at uh, these star players is what makes Nick Nurse and the Raptors defense so great. And against Jokic, I mean, I thought about this too. I'm like, why don't they just start fronting him? Like, they don't have the exactly like the playmakers. Like, Composo is great. Okay, but they don't have, you know, Michael Porter Jr. They don't have Jamal Murray. Aaron Gordon was out 
as well. So like, who's going to make that over the head pass? Like, I don't see guys that are going to do it and just make other people make plays. Like, don't let Jokic get the ball. And they were just like, yeah, let's, let's try that. And you know, that really worked out well for them. So it's a, it's a credit to all those guys that were on the floor in that fourth quarter. Um, wouldn't expect that to be a lineup that would really take over the game, but it was kind of cool to see it, right? Like we've been waiting for a bench lineup that would kind of work. And, you know, a person like Thad Young, I was so excited when he became a Raptor because he could do stuff like this. He had nine points, three rebounds, three assists and two steals and a block. Like that is such a Thad Young line. That is the most Thad Young line ever. He only only played like, you know, 14 minutes or whatever it was but he's a high impact player and they're finding their groove a little bit. And uh, it was cool seeing a Delano Banton who we're going to talk about in a, in a second here. Um, but he had five assists in that, uh, in that fourth quarter, right? He really showed some poise with the ball and over the season, he's probably been a little bit up and down in a sense where he's just, you know, turning the ball over, obviously, you know, part of being a rookie, but it's been a bit up and down for him because he's just trying to learn so much on, on the fly here, but yeah. he, he has some, some composure and Chris Boucher hit some mid range shots don't really see that from Chris very often <laughs> hitting mid-range <laughs> shots, but he did it right. He, he did it. And uh, maybe that's going to be a spot where he's able to get some more offense going because the three point shots have been a little bit up and down. And obviously he's a good, good offensive rebounder, but um, getting some more offense from someone else on the bench is going to be vital to their success this season. So, I mean, let's start off with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, right? So in that game against uh, the Nuggets, they assisted on three of each other's baskets and you could really see that two man game going. And after the game, Pascal was asked about it. He was actually in rare form after, <laughs> after that Nuggets game, he was all laughs and just making jokes nonstop. He was making fun of, you know, the media again. And he's like, Oh, you guys aren't showing your faces again. It was just voiceover radio here. And he was having fun <laughs> anyways. Um, yeah, there's a really cool two-man game happening between them. They're really feeding off of each other um, on both ends of the court. What, what are you seeing from those two? Um, it's about as good of an uh, outcome you could hope for when you draft a player like Scotty. Because I feel like the question early in the season was, um, can he play with Pascal? Because, um, you know, despite, you know, there's questions about whether Pascal can be like the very best player on a championship team. And obviously, like, yeah. we no one knows until you actually get to that point. It could be no, it could be yes, who knows. Um, but um, you don't want to have to trade a talent like that in order to accommodate a rookie. There's just too much risk involved in it. So the Raptors like ended up with the best outcome possible, which is them being able to feed off of each other um, and um, benefit each other when they're on the court together. So um, yeah, that's just been the best outcome for them because you have two players who can pretty much do a little bit of everything um, and who are both above average playmakers. So they're able to kind of improvise uh, in the moment with, I, I, I really enjoy how, you know, someone will cut or someone will just be open at the exact right moment for the dump off pass. And yeah. um, they kind of just know, uh, I guess they put each other in each is one in one another's shoes. So they know what pass to anticipate. Um, and it just always works out. And so I feel like you can probably make a good compilation off of the assists that they've shared uh, throughout the season so far. So sure. uh, it kind of just put to rest um, whether these two should be separated, but instead now it's like, how can we build, you know, the best possible squad around um, such a great core? So um, I think it's awesome for Scotty that he's, you know, playing alongside someone with very similar set of skills who is in their prime. So it kind of just um, gives him a great idea of the work ethic behind it. And, you know, for Pascal, we know what he came from. He wasn't a number four pick. He kind of worked his skill set from the ground up. 
Um, so it's great for guys like Scotty to see uh, who have a, a higher, you know, baseline of talent. Um, get to see the um, the um, the off even the off season regimen. Um, they're going to be probably in California together, like the team tends to do, and um, do their um, runs um, with Rico Hines. So uh, it's, it's just a, it's a great arrangement, not just for Scotty, but also for Precious Achua um, to see as well. And I, honestly, I kind of sometimes wonder how much of everyone's improvement is kind of tied to um, being on a young team of people who are all, I feel like, simultaneously trying to improve. Like there's no. Um, yeah. The Raptors don't really use their end of bench spots for uh, veterans. Like the only one really on the team who's up there in age is Thaddeus Young, and he's playing um, notable minutes. So um, it's just, it's a great dynamic to have, um, and it kind of just is. You really, really see it in Scotty and um, Pascal. So I'm interested to see how they look in year two. Like this is year one where they're still kind of getting to know each other, and their you know their likes, dislikes on the court, and everything. So. Um, you know, Scotty's, I think, improved even from the beginning of the season. Like we see the recent push he's had since All-Star break um, in his offense has been absolutely insane. So um, just when I thought, OK, so this is rookie Scotty. It's like, no, <laughs> he's making another. Uh, I thought he was kind of out of the rookie of the year conversation with how Mobley and Cade have been playing. But this 10 game stretch uh, from him it puts him right back in there like he's mm -hmm. been phenomenal not just not just by rookie standards he's just been a great solid player guarding the opposition's best um offensive players too in the absence of og so yeah um yeah it's a it's a great um it's a great arrangement it's the best possible outcome and uh we haven't even seen like this is not this is just the tip of the iceberg really yeah must be tricky for Scotty because he said earlier on in the season that he wanted to be rookie of the year. And some people didn't like that. He said that because, you know, it's all about the team, but um, you're right. The, those other guys, uh, Cade and, and uh, Nevin Mobley, they're sort of running away with it to a degree because they're just, they have different roles on the offense. Right. But now. Higher usage, Scott, yeah. yeah. And Scotty, he just doesn't have that uh, responsibilities necessarily. He has a lot of responsibilities on the Raptors, but scoring in isolation isn't really one. And it seems like they're kind of discovering more of that uh, because of injuries, obviously, and that he's been given that opportunity to take more shots and to, you know, just bully ball people, right. To make it take advantage of your size and there's so many mismatches on the court for the Raptors and um, after the game again with Pascal he kind of talked about this saying that you know one of us always has the mismatch right and you add an OD to that and again one of those three always has a mismatch and it's just about you know how can we work off of each other and it's kind of cool just seeing like they always make sure that they're on kind of on opposite ends of the court or like you know, and uh, because of that, like they're able to work off e of each other and they're both willing cutters, willing passers. Um, they're doing a really nice job of kind of relocating on the court too, that when, you know, Pascal's in the paint and he's kind of making his move, he knows Scotty's like taking those like couple inches to the right or left to create a passing angle. And yeah. three point shot for, for Scotty is a bit up and down. That's okay. It's going to probably stabilize itself. Pascal has been pretty consistent there, but I mean, just with them too, like, Jimmy Butler talked about this earlier on in the season that, you know, between Kyle, myself and Bam, like we're such smart players and we're both unselfish on the court. Like you kind of just figure it out over the course of time. Like you just, because you want to figure it out and you want to see each other do well. And right. so you're less worried about, you know, who's this, who's that, where am I getting my shots? You're just like, let's just make, make this happen because we both have so many skills to utilize on the court. And eventually, you know, we're going to get it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's um, I guess I think a lot of that for the Raptors older players and Fred, 
in Pascal, it comes from the fact that they have already won at the highest level, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the um, the uh, urgency to like eat up usage and because because they could do it, they can make their all NBA cases and focus on that. But I feel like they the fact that they won so recently and they won on a team where roles were so delegated, um, where people had to take on a lower usage roles in order to win at the highest level, because, you know, you think of how vital every person on the rotation was to um, moments that pushed them towards the actual ring. Like, yeah. you know, you think about um, Fred Van Vliet's run during the Buck series, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have ended up heading to the finals if that wasn't the, you know, the case for them. Um, so I feel like, I guess they understand how important every single uh, person is into making a winning team, a winning organization. Um, and you see how other young teams struggle to make that kind of connection uh, yeah, when they're sure. in rebuilding mode. Um, but I guess, you know, that also helps the Raptors bypass the um, the road of rebuild, I feel like, because, you know, they don't really have to build that winning culture from scratch. They have a really good foundation in their core. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, a uh, it's the, I guess they're, they're, yeah, they're bypassing a huge part of what makes the rebuild so unwatchable. <laughs> yeah. There's like that commitment to just, you know, let's make each other better. Let's continue to improve, not to keep on, you know, talking about hustle play, but on the episode, Delano Banton and, and Chris, we should talk about this, that, you know, with the Raptors schedule, like their personal team schedule, there's optional uh, practices and optional shoot arounds. And it's like optional, but really, unless you see black, and on their calendar, he's like, you are expected to be there. And if you're not there, like you're going to hear from someone. And that's kind of the nature of it. And Delano's like, I haven't had a day off in like months. Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about with days off. Like, cause we were asking him like, what do you do on days off? He's like, I don't have days off, man. Like I'm either at the nine Oh five. I'm, I'm at Scotiabank arena for oh, a yeah. game, or I'm expected to be on the court practicing in some capacity. And this is like the nature of this franchise right now. And I mean, I think all of us, we were like ridiculing the, the franchise for not really doing anything at the deadline. Like go get a guard. You clearly need a guard. Like yeah. they, don't, they don't need us to tell them that they need a guard. They know they need a guard, but it is not the plan. There's not part of the plan for this season. They want Precious Achua and Delano Band to be taking those shots because it's going to help them next year, the year after, and get yeah. those reps in. And then they're going to be that much better. It's annoying because we we see it, the potential of this year's team. We just want to see them like go grow, like you know, win a few playoff rounds. They're like, no, we'd rather you know conserve our our chips, I suppose, and let's look at next season, the year after, and let's like actually like contend for a championship it's not like let's win a round or two it's let's compete for a championship and next season with the development that some of these players are getting like they're going to be in a much better position to you know be uh, to be vital members of off their bench right or Delano a precious like we're going to talk about in a second yeah no I completely agree when you kind of invest time into guys like precious like Delano it's a gamble but you know that if you you can quite easily make them valuable contracts because they already have like the defense and the the mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 
it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Build, you know, everyone wants a player of their length and their, um, their mobility. So if you just put a little extra time into developing their offense, you can turn these guys into valuable contracts um, and the Raptors need those. So um, yeah. I feel like if you, if you trade for a guy who's a little more established, there's less questions about his value on the market. And people, people literally keep an eye, like scouts, organizations, keep an eye on who the Raptors are developing. Like they keep an eye on who can yeah. we take from this or this is like the farm <laughs> organization for the rest of the league. We know this, you know, yeah. so um, there's no questions about, how, you know, can these guys become valuable contracts? They're going to eventually become, because that is outside of fanfare. You know, if the Raptors want to trade OG right now, they could get a huge haul for him. Um, not based on how he's, how well he's known around, you know, other circles and everything. But when it comes to um, uh, turning um, second round guys, undrafted guys, uh, low first round guys into valuable contracts in the future that's something that they've perfected so um like you said the obvious decision would be to get this guy and this guy and then make me may be a 50 plus one team and yeah. you know have a chance in the postseason and blah 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 but um they're obviously choosing to take the um more unconventional route and hopefully turn these guys into um pieces that they can move around for the future and do and eventually make that push because they did the same thing when they um, rearranged things and uh, mm. traded uh, Jonas Valanciunas and stuff like that. So, you know, who's to say what happens in the future? Um, I do believe that for the 10th of the last 11th season, the Raptors have uh, exceeded the preseason projection for their win total. I think that happened with that Nuggets win. Um, for some reason, this Vegas, they just don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, were, yeah, that makes sense. The projection was 36 and now oh, they're God. at 37. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just easy money right there. I in wish Toronto? I got in. I should have yeah, right? every year. Yeah. Are you a gambler? Is that something you're interested in doing? No, I know nothing about no. it. <laughs> but that seems like the safest one to get started on. <laughs> I I gamble quite a bit. That's, that's that's my thing. I like I like doing that. I'm excited that it's being legalized in Canada very soon. It's going to make things a little bit easier. But um, everything you said is absolutely right. And I, I just want to see them continue to take these steps. A person like Precious Achua that I know you just wrote your piece on. Um, what were your thoughts on, on him this season? He's been up and down. I mean, all those times yeah. where I've seen like Pascal or Scotty kind of drop their head because like, oh, there goes Precious again going <laughs> one-on-one or something like that. But then he doesn't take the shot that he should take. And it's not oh, always yeah. about taking, yeah, right? Like knowing where your spot is and on the, on the court and just being the person that just make things simpler on yourself, right? Doc Rivers is very good at this. His coaching prowess, you know, and clutch situations is, you know, a bit suspect sometimes, but he does a great job of giving players roles and saying, this is what I need you to do. And that's all you do, nothing else. So whether it's like catch and shoot threes or just, you know, making that one dribble so you can hit a pull-up after, um, after you yeah. have a contest, like these are the things we want you to do. And Precious, he's kind of figuring that out a little bit. Yeah, um, it, 
I think that his recent developments showed why they gave him such so much of a longer leash. Like I always wondered why is Precious, you know, allowed to dribble so much and throw all these crazy <laughs> shots and stuff. But it's clear that they were trying to, you know, unlock something in him. Um, yeah. And you know what's interesting is that you can't really teach that kind of confidence he has to just play a determined, you know, just a determined drive and stuff like that. It's something that you have to really. Uh, build in some players but he just has that confidence already instilled like he's always willing to take the shot um so when he I think received the green light to take more threes it just kind of like uh took him to the next level because like I feel like it's weird to pigeonhole a player into a non-shooter in his sophomore season it's just weird because he can't shoot in his rookie year he's not going to be able to in his second year like they did he get enough minutes and reps on the heat squad like that didn't really play him too many minutes like you're saying it you're saying it yeah, so on, on a team where he's given that leeway, like, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I remember writing the piece and being kind of reluctant to call him, like, a, is he a shooter? Like, a, I don't know, like, this. I, we were recently having a conversation, like, when do you determine someone's a shooter? And then someone's like, when they become a shooter, <laughs> like, that's, you just have to kind of become one. And then, and then people yeah. stop asking if you are one and they start respecting you on scouting reports and whatnot. So um, yeah. I think that he's just um, seizing every opportunity and, um, he's not afraid to fail, which is like such a important mm. trait in a developing player. Like he's not afraid to throw up a crazy circus shot after dribbling for 23 seconds. <laughs> but like, um, I, I think it's part of, um, of uh, it's been a huge part of his development to have that confidence. And yeah. not every guy has it. Not every, it's always easy to forget that he's a sophomore player. He's in a second year. Um, and he's on a great trajectory. Like he's, you know, about as good as you'd hope for his um, draft positioning and everything so far. It's got a bit of that Nick Young in him, right? The next one's going to go in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, coach. I swear. I'm going to, I'm going to get a hot right here. You're going to see it. Yeah. You're going to see it. <laughs> in that uh, Suns game, I believe, and if I'm a good lip reader, I don't know if I am, but uh, I believe he looked at DeVal McGee, like almost right directly in the eye and said, you can't guard me. <laughs> It was a possession where Precious drove yeah. from, yeah, he drove from uh, the three-point line, he faked, and then he drove to the bucket. And uh, yeah, he looked at uh, Javel McGee, he's like, yeah, you can't guard me. Um, you can't teach that confidence, like you you said. It's, uh, it's a rare thing, and now with him, he's got this jumper, and it's going to open up so much for the Raptors' offense. And You kind of see it in little bits here and there, like a Gary Trent Jr. You know, when Gary's in the pick and roll, now people are like loading up on him because they just don't want him to shoot. Like I bet yeah, on Gary. The whole my, floor kind of shades towards yeah, him. Right. Right. Like I talked about my betting habits. I thought Gary would make three threes against the nuggets. And he only, he was like one of five or something like that because they were all over him. But if Gary is able to develop and make that pocket pass to press the Chua rolling, or if he's going to be, you know, a pick and pop big, he can hit that catch and shoot three. What's this going to open up for like a Scotty or a Pascal? They just needed that guy. You know, that's why we were all talking like, oh, let's get Miles Turner because, and I'm not sure if you wanted Miles Turner, but um, we wanted that five to who could hit threes. And it's just such an asset. It's going to open up the court. And this is what the Raptors really need. They just need space. That's why Nick said he, he started Imani Brooks against the Nuggets because he's like, I need to give Pascal and Scotty just yeah, some space. <laughs> yeah, right. No one really saw that coming. But I mean, to Imani's credit, and he's, he played pretty well Yo, against the Nuggets, well right? Deserved, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. He shot 30% from three a few years back in uh, in Houston. And who knows what happens with this uh, 10 day, but hey, at least he made $85,000. That's not bad. That's more than I make in a year. Anyway, 
You ever um, see that on like the the uh, two way guys? They're just like, oh, they're so underpaid. Wait, <laughs> he's yeah, like on. twice what I made. Yeah, invest your money. You can be a ten day guy for a few years in the NBA, and you're, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, early you're, you're retirement. <laughs> yeah, go to Europe. You know, live in Spain or whatever, and you're going to be in a good spot for the rest of your life. Your family's <laughs> going to be in good shape. Um, but Armani, yeah, he did a pretty good job. And he's 6'3", too. He can kind of see how he fits with the Raptors. Like, he's really tenacious on the defensive end. And he's got some, uh, he had a, you know, a shot from a handoff of, from, from Thad Young, which was really nice. And he's got some nice instincts there. So another person that they could potentially add into the system. But what were we talking about? Yeah, right. Spacing and Precious. Um, just continue to grow, man. And like after that, after he's able to become like a shooter, when is he a shooter? Is he a shooter? Because sustained success is what you're looking for when it comes to if a person is a shooter or not. But um, if he's able to like, you know, be that catch shoot guy. And then afterwards, if he's able to like, just get to the rim in those situations where he's been loaded up on a little bit, or there's a heavy contest coming at him, just like get those couple of dribbles going to the bucket and become that person. And if you need to make that little dump off pass to someone around the rim, like now you have like a really, really versatile uh, big man center forward guy that is going to help you in all lineups that you need and it's yeah. going to get pre- precious all kinds of paid <laughs> all <Yeah>. kinds of paid <laughs> holy he's set if he gains if he becomes even like an above out like a 37 percent guy he's he's set he's going to get paid for until retirement <laughs> yeah very versatile um wanted to finish up by getting your thoughts on the delano banton malachi flynn situation scenario not a situation it's not a situation it's a good problem to have two players yeah. that um, feel like you could really uh help your franchise for years to come but it's gotten a little bit murky at times and for the contracts delano he's got a team option for next season and then mm-hmm. malachi flynn has a team option for 2023 2024 so both conceivably could be under contract for uh, at least next season and then after that you make your choice on on malachi but do they need to choose between them or do you think that they should either a trade one of them or b you know decide who's going to be your backup point guard you know um because the guard rotation is so thin i can see them keeping both honestly paying both and just retaining both um splitting their minutes between two guys probably also helps keep their value down so that they're affordable for the raptors Mm. in the future um which is like it's kind of slimy but you know it's business <laughs> but um then be the yeah, yeah. I, I i i would keep delano if that was the scenario because i feel like um it, uh, a true point guard like he's a real point guard he's not a forward that can just kind of pass mm-hmm. but he's a true point guard he's passed first um all at his height his mobility his defense i i feel like he just has too many physical skills um, and that the offensive discrepancy between him and Malachi isn't too huge. I think Malachi, yeah, he's probably somebody who can develop into a shooter quicker because he already has that established yeah. and he's really good in the pick and roll, but you know, Delano's not bad in it either. So, um, you know, if it became, if it came down to between those two, I can see them opting to keep um, Delano, but I don't see why they can't just keep both. And honestly, um, splitting their minutes and just taking what you need in that rotation and just kind of diagnosing it with either Flynn or Delano has been working so far this season. I feel like they pretty, like whenever you throw one of those guys into the game, something happens, something shifts um, for the better usually. Um, So I don't know if they would, you know, change the scenario they've already, the um, dynamic they've already established um, with both of them. 
Yeah. And I, it's a really tricky thing. It's a great problem to have. Like I said, that you have two players who are like 22 years old. I believe they're both 22 who are assets to you and could potentially, you know, you could tell that you could see it. It's percolating that they're both going to be very good NBA players. I wonder with, uh, with Delano, if they start to develop them as a shooting guard and that would obviously require him to, you know, become a, a competent uh, three-point shooter. But if right. they decide to do that, because I can just hear him aside, like, oh, do I need to make a decision between these two? Do I really? Like, I have two yeah. good players. <laughs> Why do I need to trade one of them? And uh, I mean, Delano, like, you can just see like how versatile he is. Like you talked about, I mean, he was like the person fronting Nikola Jokic in that yeah. Denver game. Like he's like, he's six, One nine. Through five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you just add him into that fold, like this is another guy that I could play at the three or the two or the four, if I need to. And now you have this guy who's just like, who can run the floor. He's a great cutter. Um, he can be a secondary ball handler on the court. You just yeah. need him to develop his three point shot in this year. So 2022, he's six of 24. Not great, obviously, but if you want to bank on just him developing that over the course of the offseason, you give him a shooting program and he executes it like that would be an awesome thing to have. And now, again, you just have another guy who's fitting this mold and he doesn't need to be a point guard, but he can be. And Malachi, he probably is, you know, more better suited to be a point guard just between the, the two of them. I mean, who knows what Delano does during the offseason, but Malachi right now, he is a point guard. You can rely on him. He's a great pick and roll point guard. Um, you have oh, players yeah. now, especially with a precious, a Thad Young, if you want to bring him back. You have guys he can actually use in the, those situations. And you have a great bench now. You have something that can actually, you know, create offense, um, sustainable offense, you know, possession by possession. And it's going to help, right. you know, Fred Van Vliet, go down the list. It's going to help all these guys just play less minutes. And that's been a problem for this whole season. That's kind of where I want to see this go. I don't want to see them trade at either of them. I want to see them, you know, use them and make, yeah, make Delano, you know, he's going to be a sophomore next year. Like he's got many more years to come to be like a point guard. If he decides to be, if he wants, if that's what he wants to be, I'm sure it does because that's, that's what he's been his entire life, but it's not going to take away from the money that he's going to make in the NBA. If he decides to be like, just master the art of being like a two and a three and a four and that is what Nick asked of them anyways. That talked yeah. about it when he became a Raptor. He's like, it's kind of interesting that I had to learn how to be a three and a five and a four. So that's been a bit of a transition. That's what you're asked to do with the Raptors, right? And Delano just has to take on that challenge. And if he's able to become a decent catch and shoot three-point shooter, like now you do have a shooting guard. You have another guy. Like I, I see the yeah. vision. It'd be really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If I feel like that's probably where his value lies in just being super versatile. Like if he's able yeah. to become like a, Oh, um, any team can take him and plug him into wherever they need. Um, there's a lot of value in that. Even if he's not excelling in every department, just having sure. a guy that you can throw Like that's a, that's a, that's a, I feel like that's like a six man of the year type that archetype that he could follow. Mm-hmm. And it's very current in this NBA to be that player who can be plugged at the two to four, right? It's like we talked about, it's going to help his, his value when it comes to contract time. And if the Raptors can't afford him, that's okay because you've, you've done your part for his development and always, yeah. yeah. And I always love when Nick Durst talks about uh, his, his job as a coach is to raise the value of each player in the marketplace. It's such a cool thing to hear. It's like, you, you know, that the, the, the coaching staff and the franchise cares about your development. And this would actually help Delano bring all kinds of money home to Rexdale. And they're going to be in a yeah. really good spot. <laughs> all his family, all his friends, everyone's going to be get paid in that way because obviously he's been uh, 
very helpful with um, helping out his community. He's got a foundation, right? The Delano Banton Skills Academy. Yeah. So he's helping out uh, other players and future Raptors, future Canadian basketball prospects. It's all good. I was a person that thought they should probably maybe trade Malachi Flynn at the deadline just because like, don't, yeah. don't do Malachi like this. Like let him grow, let him let develop. Him <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, I mean, to his credit, he got an opportunity. He ran with it and he only had like one turnover over like a six game span. He doesn't turn the ball over. I love He's Malachi. a point guard, point guard. I was writing yeah. when he was freshly drafted and he was arguing, people were saying that he was the best pick and roll player in his draft class. Like that was, everyone was saying that this is the guy who, you know, he's, he is a pure pure point guard and he was defensive player of the year in his um, division. Um, So I think the only downside was his height. And, you know, if he gains the muscle and the strength to play bigger than he is, like Fred does, like Kyle did, um, who's to say, you know, who who's to say what happens with him like I feel like the height is not something even though the Raptors are like exclusively a six seven plus club <laughs> um height hasn't been an issue with their point guards I don't think they care when it comes to height with their point guards so yeah, yeah. he has a good line of guys to follow of, of six foot um you know defensive um anchors <laughs> really <laughs> it's true we don't really know how that season with Kyle and Fred has impacted him because he didn't really play that much this season right um, but I imagine like there was a lot of sessions in the, in that, uh, Tampa season where he was with them, working with them. There's oh, a yeah. photo from uh, New York. Um, when you see both of them kind of like working with Malachi, it was one of the most heartwarming moments, I must say <laughs> from that time. It was, a, it was I think a I know, yeah. yeah, but it was a cool moment. And, uh, I'm sure Eric Flynn is just, you know, at the top of his lungs saying my boy is great. My boy is good. <laughs> my boy is going to make things happen in the NBA. You just watch, you just watch. <laughs> um, so yeah, lots of uh, lots of prospects in the Raptor system, man. Holy, it's like never ending. It feels like, and even Armani books we just talked about him, like a six three point guard, another guy who could play point guard or shooting guard. You see how he could potentially help them. I would like to see Justin Champagne get another shot with the Raptors, but that may not be in the cards because once OG comes back, that's another guy who's going to be playing, you know, thirty five <laughs> minutes. So the opportunity is gone, and OG's supposed to play at some point on this road trip. We're, you know, TikTok, we're not too far away from it ending. Um, thankfully, actually, um, the Raptors, they had a lot of games this week. So everyone knows, but uh, yeah, another person vibes are great. Again, it's not fun. Uh, any other thoughts, Yasmin, anything else you want to talk about? Um, Not really. I think we discussed everything. I will say that the next week of games we were just discussing um, is crazy so <laughs> yeah. I remember just thinking recently um oh god I, I what I would do to see Scotty play LeBron like I feel like Scotty's from a, a a class of draftees and you know we're gonna see more mm-hmm. of it in the future that were kind of like uh trained in the mold of LeBron yeah. um you know these giant forwards that can also play point <laughs> so um I can't wait to see what it looks like against one another and yeah, I can't wait to see how it looks um, in Toronto. No doubt. From Monday the 14th being today to Monday the 21st, five games. Same thing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got the Clippers tonight. They got the 76ers and they got the Nuggets. That's their Monday to Friday. That is not easy. And uh, then actually on the 24th, the Raptors and Cavaliers play each other. And that is shaping up to be a game that could really, you know, really kind of figure out who's going to be in that sixth spot. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I feel bad for the Cavs, man. Like they tell that they're a very good team, but they just can't stay healthy. What do you do, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tough for them, especially oh, they had the really hot start as well and just never let up until the injuries got too much to um to make up for. It's true. And Raptors, you know, you take care of business against the very, very crappy LA Lakers. That's two of your games this week. You're able to win a game against the Clippers. They're the ninth seed or the eighth seed in the Western Conference. You maybe you have a five game win streak that probably puts you in a position, not just to be six, but maybe you're like, you know, scratching at the claws of, uh, of the Chicago Bulls and Boston Celtics for fourth or fifth, depending how their week goes. So yep. it's very, very tight conference. Yasmin, you wrote a piece about Precious Achua. You can find that on the Yahoo Sports Canada Twitter page, or obviously uh, Yasmin's Carmelo Drama on, uh, on Twitter. And you can find me at Amit underscore man. Yasmin, thanks so much for joining me. Anytime, thanks for having me. Yeah, everyone have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the games. We'll talk soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.